Welcome to my MACD Life, empowered by the Support Sight Foundation. This podcast is about macular degeneration and the devastating impact it has on millions of people and their families every single day, 365 days a year. Our mission is simple to bring hope, optimism, perspective, and education to our listeners. So tune in, buckle up, and put your listening ears on. Support for today's My MACD Life podcast comes from Healthy Vision Association, Novartis, The Sparrow, Centric Bank, and Hinkelstein and & Associates. Our guest today is a low vision doctor. She's extraordinary. She cares about her patients. She cares about the students that she teaches. She cares about macular degeneration and, you know, the topic of this show and, frankly, other eye diseases that bring people to her. Folks, I want to introduce Dr. Erin Kenny. And Dr. Kenny is the chief. You're going to say this with me, Dr. Kenny, right? So I get it right? The chief of the William Feinbloom Feinbloom Vision Rehabilitation Center at Salus University in one of my favorite places in the world, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We haven't had a low vision doctor on the show yet. You're the first, and that's for a reason, because in my mind, you're one of the best, the best, actually. I'm honored. Thank you. Yes. So welcome. So let's really break this down into some basics and as we start this conversation. Are you ready? Absolutely. Explain to the listeners, what is low vision? So low vision means that there is something that you cannot do because of your vision. So sometimes people have this idea that it needs to be a visual acuity of 2070 or worse, or you have to have a certain visual field problem. But truly, my definition of low vision is all about function. So if there is something that you want to do and you are unable to do it because of your vision, then I would define that as low vision. So it's definitely a functional thing, not so much a quantitative or a qualitative aspect. It is a functional problem that you're having because of your vision. So that would be my definition of low vision. Perfect. Does everyone have or get low vision at some point in their lives, particularly as they grow older, maybe? Not always. So sometimes, you know, even if you maybe have a reduction in visual acuity or a reduction in your central vision, but you're still functioning fine, then you're not low vision. But on the other hand, you can have 20-20 vision, but still struggling to do something, then that would be low vision. So with your question of does everybody eventually get low vision, I would say no, but that doesn't mean that you know it's not a possibility later on in life. That's interesting. And I think we need to underscore that for everyone listening and people tuning in. So low vision is based on tasks. Yes. Not on what we really think it is, which is your eye chart. Right. Right. And sometimes, you know, I'll have patients that, you know, looking at the eye chart, they see 2030, which is just two lines worse than 2020. And their doctor might be like, yeah, that's great. Everything looks good. You're good to go. 
But that patient knows that when they're trying to read the newspaper that they're struggling, or maybe that faces just aren't as clear as they used to be, that visual acuity, although it's important to know and understand, the thing that I really want to focus on is their daily issues that they're having. So it's that seeing the face or maybe eat, uh, reading the newspaper with greater ease. So like you said, you know, of course, we take vision with eye charts, but really, it's, it's based off the patient and their function. Right. One of the things we say at the foundation when we with uh, when we are talking with with constituents, with folks who, who are suffer from macular degeneration is that you don't see with your eyes, you see with your brain. Can you comment on that? Sure. So, you know, there's so many aspects of vision. There's the central vision, there's your contrast sensitivity, uh, there's your color vision. So there's so many aspects of vision that kind of form uh, to create an image for your brain to interpret. So, you know, as as much as people think it is just the eye chart or one specific thing versus the other, there's so many different aspects that come into vision, are a part of our vision, and that's how our brain interprets it. So we want to make sure that we highlight all parts of the of our vision and, you know, help out in all those different areas to make sure that our brain is getting the best image that it possibly can. Giving people time to kind of process that because we're going to go on because this is all about learning on my MACD life. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. It's about, about uh, people understanding the different pieces that that are part of their living life with MACD. So let's go in, let's keep this going. And we, here's another question. And we get this from our listeners and from our, our folks who are our friends of uh, the foundation and my MACD life. There's a lot of eye doctors. Yeah. Can you walk people through the differences between professionals that they that take care of their eye or help them with their eyesight. And then lastly, where does a low vision doctor fit in? And what is a low vision doctor? Is there one? Sure. Yeah, I would love to do that. So um, when it comes to eye care specialists, they're usually broken into two main categories, would be, which would be an optometrist and an ophthalmologist. Uh, depending on the severity of the macular degeneration might determine who is monitoring or who is following you for your macular degeneration. You can say MACD, by the way. MACD. <laughs> it's, it's easier. It is definitely easier. If you have MACD that maybe needs treatment with an injection, then you would definitely be seen by an ophthalmologist. But suppose you have mild MACD, you might be followed by an optometrist. Uh, The thing that makes a low vision doctor different, though, is that low vision doctors strictly focus on the function of your vision. So I always say that a low vision ocular or low vision eye exam is goal oriented. So when you come into that exam, I'm asking you questions that probably your primary eye care doctor is not asking you. I'm asking you about watching television. I'm asking how you're cooking. Are you cleaning okay? Can you see the dust on the table? I'm asking questions about identifying colors. Can you, you know, when it comes to your activities of daily living, do you have any issues with identifying different colors when you're getting dressed? 
are you able to apply your makeup in a comfortable way? Uh, so those are questions that the primary eye care doctor is not asking. And that's where a low vision doctor truly comes in. We want to get into the nitty gritty everyday activities that uh, the patient is struggling with. And so what we're doing is we're really focusing on a goal oriented examination and really just being able to make uh, patients with MACD have a more independent life and really improve their quality of life. So that's where I say a low vision doctor kind of is separate from the other primary eye care doctors. I find that one thing that happens is there's often this hiccup that patients will be followed by an ophthalmologist or an optometrist for years for their MACD. And, you know, they'll be telling their doctor, you know, I'm having issues with my reading or, you know, I feel like my vision isn't the best that it could be. And the doctor will sometimes say, there's not more, there's not really anything else I can do. And that answer is so frustrating. Oh, that drives me crazy. It makes me, my blood boil. I know. So I find that a lot of times I, you know, when these patients come to me, when they finally get to the low vision exam, they're almost frustrated with the, the process because they'll say to me, why didn't I know about you before? Why didn't someone tell me tell me about you? And um, so that's one thing that I find is kind of... Why do they do that? Why do they do that, Dr. You know, Kenny? What, what, let's talk about that. Because we have people contact us and say, no one ever spoke yeah, to me about low vision. I know. It's, it's frustrating. I would like to... <laughs> think that it's just that their priority at that time is the ocular health, you know, and I obviously am so impressed with what ophthalmologists and optometrists do. They, you know, they, you know, they laser in and they really focus on the ocular health and, and, uh, you know, their point of making sure it's not progressing. But sometimes I, I also think it's just a, a kind of a, an afterthought, something that they're not thinking of that patient as a whole person, because they have to go home after they leave that. And I know you see patients every day. You're, you're a clinic. You, you know, you yeah, take care of their eyes too yeah. in a different way, as you just described, but they have to go home and they have to make lunch. They have to go home and they want to read the newspaper. They have to get into their cabinet and read, you know, the spices. Exactly. They need to be able to read directions out of their cookbook. Yep. They need to be able to see their laundry dials. They need to be able to, you know. I their grandkids are coming over for dinner. They want it. Yep. So, and everyone who's listening, I'm sure is like shaking their head like we are, right? If they could see us, they'd be like, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, so let's piggyback off of that. We, we agree there's a disconnect. And one of the reasons I love you so much is because we share that passion to connect those disconnects yes, and climb yes. those mountains that's going to take to close those gaps. So, so having kind of said what you've said, which is really important, and I hope people play this part over again on the podcast like a million times so that they understand it. I've got my optometrist, my ophthalmologist, my retina doc, whatever. Health of the eye. Health of the eye. I need my low vision doc to help me with my everyday living. And my low vision doc cares about whether or not I have dust on my dresser yes. and whether or not I can see it and I don't have to write. And everybody's laughing. If I have MACD, I have an optometrist, I have an ophthalmologist, retina doc. Do I, what do I say to them? How do I get to you and the hundreds or if not thousands of people around the country and world who do what you do? How do I find you? How do I, do I need, they need to refer me to you? What happens with that? And is it paid for? Insurance cover it. 
all the examinations when it comes to a low vision evaluation, we do bill medical insurance. So no matter what, um, if, if my clinic, you know, would take your insurance, we would p- bill a medical examination. So um, when it comes to the actual evaluation with the low vision optometrist, insurance does cover it. When it comes to the rehabilitation services that sometimes come after the exam, uh, depending on what kind of provider you're seeing, uh, insurance may not cover it, but that's something that the low vision doctor would 100% discuss with you. The initial exam itself. It will be covered. Would be covered. And I know every hammer sees a nail yeah. and you're a low vision, one of the best in, ever, but should everyone have a low vision exam if they have macular degeneration? Now, I know you referred to it earlier, depending on what stage they're in. And in previous episodes, we talk about early, middle, late. Do you recommend everybody should do it, right? If you can't do something, you need to go get a, see a vision, low vision doctor. Exactly, Dawn. I was just going to say, if there is one thing that you cannot do or that you're even struggling with, go for a low vision examination. I think 100% you will get an answer on something that can make it easier or just make you more successful in what you're trying to do. So I, and you know, one thing that is, you can call the ophthalmologist or the optometrist that's seeing you, you can call them out. You can say, you know, I would really like to see a low vision doctor. Is there someone you could refer me to? And I would hope I mean, my in the most perfect world, I would hope that every retinal specialist is aware of a low vision doctor. Me too. Me too. Hello, all of you out there. I yeah. You know. Please get in contact with a low vision doctor. So that would be my first step. Honestly, I would say, you know, I I notice that I'm having issues seeing the TV as clearly as I would like to. Can you refer me to a low vision doctor? Like I said, hopefully the retinal specialist or the optometrist or the you know uh, general ophthalmologist would know a low vision doctor. If not, you can do research. One of the first steps you could do is actually look. Every state has a state agency for the visually impaired. So that would be another resource that you could go to. And then finally... If you are living close to an optometry school, I can guarantee they have a low vision clinic because all optometrists are trained in low vision, even if it's just for a couple of weeks. I'm not saying that every optometrist does low vision because that's not true. But if you are near an optometry school in the United States, that would be definitely another resource that you could reach out to. Good. And you can reach out to us at the Support Site Foundation and we'll help you too. And so those are great ideas. And so we're going to put them, we post the resources on, from each episode on our website. So folks, go to mymacdlife.org and there's a, you know, if you click on this episode, you're going to see links and resources that we call out based on our conversation. So that's great advice, Erin. I love the foundation. I love that. I love that they're, what a great resource. Uh, Cause you're right. Not every patient, not every doctor is going to, um, you know, automatically send them, you know, you brought up a really great point about uh, earlier rather than later. Uh, a lot of times if we see a patient and, you know, maybe they're just beginning to struggle with some issues. Sometimes it's just appropriate lighting might be the recommendation or maybe a little bit. Could be very low tech. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, it could be a non-optical approach, meaning it's not really a low vision device. Sometimes it can just say, really, you just need enlarged print and better lighting. But on the other hand, I think that's a better starting point than being very severely visually impaired. And, you know, we're, we're going right to the big guns to, to help these patients out, no matter what, though. 
are really frustrated by then. And then you want, want to give up, which I know a lot of our audience, you know, can feels that way. Like, you know, I'm so frustrated. I can't do what I used to do. And then I want to give up on it. It's depressing and it's all that. And, you know, I don't want to ask for help. But whereas if they just would have had a low vision exam and learned some very basics from the beginning. I agree. And I feel that knowledge is just so important. Exactly. Knowledge is power. So uh, even if we show you something and you're like, I'm not ready for that. I don't think that's necessary. That's okay. That's okay. You have that bit of knowledge now in the back of your brain so that if something would ever happen that maybe your vision does decrease over the next couple of years, you at least know in the back of your mind, wait a minute, Dr. Kenny showed me something and I think it might be time for that. It's empowering too, which is what we try to do with the show, with the foundation. This is why we're doing this. So let's, we've got a few more minutes left. I want to go in a different direction. Sure. So we've defined low vision, people understand it's task driven, people understand those resources are out there and they have to ask for them. That's our key takeaway. Yeah. Right now you have to ask for it. Don't be afraid. Okay. And we're going to put that on our website. What are the three questions to ask or what have you? And it'll be on, it's on already on supportsite.org. So Dr. Kenny, let's talk about you for a second. You could have, like, you could have chosen a lot of career paths. Why low vision? Why the eyes? You know, I, I always knew I wanted to go into the healthcare field, and I was a, a cheerleader in, in college, so I do have a, a lot of energy. You're cheerleader, yes, no, exactly. low vision. <laughs> and I do. I enjoy helping people. I enjoy, you know, making other other people happy. And I found that when I went to optometry school, I obviously was very interested in the eye, but the low vision course really. I, I connected with. I actually had a visually impaired great aunt, and she had macular degeneration. She had, of course, everyone has an aunt, great aunt that had MACD. I swear to God, even if you didn't know it, you had one. <laughs> I, you know, I came from uh, Central Pennsylvania, and I just found that, you know, when I was going through my training and my school, I was like, there are all these things out here for patients with MACD. And I found that, you know, there wasn't a a doctor out there in in central Pennsylvania that was able to really help her. So then I became, I in my head, I was like, I have to educate as many people as possible. Were you like 12 when you decided that? (laughs) (laughs) I have to educate as many people as possible about low vision. In my life, in my entire life. Yeah. I, you know, I, it sounds very, uh, I I truly, I'm not just saying this, but every patient I see is somebody else's aunt Fran. I know. It's so cool. You see her every time. I know. I know. It's so awesome. I have those two. So talk about, you know, Salas, give us, give a little plug for Salas and what you do because there are optometry schools all over the country, but, and then I'd like you to segue that into the future generation of low vision doctors and where you see that going, because you play an integral part in their lives and influence them, you know, as you were influenced, you know, a few years ago. So talk about that. Be- talk about the future of all this. Absolutely. So you're absolutely right. I work at Salis University. Uh, our optometry school is called Pennsylvania College of Optometry. It's also where I, you know, I went four years there and then I did an additional year of low vision training uh, as a resident. What's that? Is there a certification? Like, is that 
It's an accredited, yep, it's an accredited residency. So I, you know, I did one year of additional training where I just focused on low vision. Basically, I mean, 80% of my job was seeing low vision patients getting very, I was, I was gaining the skills to help many different pathologies, including MACD or many different eye diseases, including MACD. So yeah, I went there, I did an additional year of training specifically in low vision rehabilitation. And then I was hired um, at the same place that I did my residency at the William Feinblum Vision Rehabilitation Center. You saw a good thing, I wanted to keep it. Yeah, well, I did. I mean, I really love my job. I, I'm not just saying that I work, I work basically in like the most beautiful nirvana of low vision. I have social workers there, which is, I mean, they're amazing. They, you know, they're able to help our patients with the psychosocial aspects. So as you can imagine, anxiety, depression. So they're a great resource. They're a great part of our team. We have, I have amazing low vision doctors who work with me, you know, on the floor. They're all amazing. They're special. They're intelligent. They're compassionate. And then I have a kick by rehab team. So when I say rehab team, I have certified low vision therapists, I have occupational therapists, I have orientation and mobility specialists. And I know those are a lot of words, but basically just think of people who are trained to help people who are visually impaired. And that's what makes up my team. And I- and they need them. You get that You get that when you have a hip replacement yes. or a knee replacement. Yes. It's the same ideas for your eyes. Yes, absolutely. So uh, I really, we have an interdisciplinary approach at uh, approach at the William Feinblum Vision Rehabilitation Center, and I absolutely love it. I feel like we can really provide care to the to the whole patient, not just their eyes. And talking about the future, I have this saying, and this I think my students like always roll my roll their eyes when I say that. I, I'm really trying hard to bring sexy back to low vision. I'm trying to make it. Oh, JT. That's right. Justin Timberlake. I I am because it is such an important niche that I feel that needs to be talked about. It's something that patients aren't really aware of. And in the sense, a lot of students don't pick it as a specialty. It's, they don't pick it as something that they want to um, really focus on or specialize in after they graduate. So I try to really make it exciting and, and think about how many patients we can help out there. And just by even, like I said, simple tasks, simple things that we can do can change a person's life. Was it because they have to stay in school longer, do you think? Um, well, the one thing, you know, it might be that, but on the other hand, I mean, they still, every optometrist takes a low vision course. Every optometrist um, has the opportunity to do low vision as a rotation. I think sometimes, as you can imagine, a low vision exam takes a little bit more time because we, it's definitely more goal oriented. We're asking a lot more questions. So sometimes I think some doctors are turned off by that. They might want maybe like a faster in and out experience, but do you make more money when you're, when you have that? If you work in a private practice and you see 10 patients in the morning, but maybe for a low vision, I can only see three, the 10 patients are, you're going to make more money. It's your time. Yes. Right. But for me, how, how can you deny somebody the, you know, the ability to see their grandkids again? Do you think insurance is going to cover a lot more of this? Let's talk assistive technology in the end here. We've got about a minute or two left. So assistive technology, a lot of our our listeners, so people who are part of our family know 
we have the assistive technology section every show, the product highlights, yeah, you know, the desktop readers, the mag, you know. So, so do you believe that there's going to be a day where that stuff's going to be paid for by Medicare, going to be paid for by insurance? Do you do you think that's going to happen? I really don't know that answer. I, I, you know, I would love, I think that's the biggest hiccup of my whole job is I know devices that people need. I know, you know, I know the recommendation, Don, you know, I'm going to call you and say this patient, I know they need this. That's right. Portable electronic magnifier to read their mail. Everybody, they know what a Ruby is. They know what a, you know, a, I wish I, ha- I knew that answer. The fact that insurance only pays for what uh, they call conventional treatment, which is a pair of glasses or sometimes contact lenses, I I would imagine that it would not be any time in the near future that they would pay mm. for assistive technology, which stinks. I mean, yeah. I, I, these these are things that people need. Let's change that. I know. Let's do it, Dawn. Let's get our listeners on that too, Come everybody. On, We're going to get a campaign going. <laughs> So here I am at the very end with my time with you. And I want to invite you back. I would love and it. I think, you know, we need to get you back just periodically, maybe to answer questions from people. Would you do that for us? I would love. Ask Dr. Kenny. That'd be awesome. How cool would that be? Yeah, I would like to do that. I Anything that talks about low vision, sign me up. I'm in. You got it, baby. 24-7. That's why we have our pinky swear, our pinkies up and linking up. Give two takeaways that you, if people need to rewind this this interview, rewind this part of the episode, what are the two takeaways that you really want people to know from Dr. Aaron Kenny? Number one takeaway, low vision is not a visual acuity. It is a functional issue that you're having because of your vision. So if you would ever say, I'm having difficulties reading my newspaper, even if you have a great central vision, that is low vision. So that's my first takeaway. Low vision is about function. It's not about numbers. And then number two, do not be afraid to ask your eye doctor to be referred to a low vision doctor. You deserve the opportunity to be evaluated by someone who specializes in low vision rehabilitation. So don't be afraid. Don't think you're annoying them. If anything, they're probably going to be embarrassed that they didn't do it beforehand. So those are my two takeaways, Don. Love it. Love you. Love you. Thank you. Come back. Anytime. This program is empowered by the Support Sight Foundation. The Support Sight Foundation mission is to save sight for millions of people who suffer from age-related macular degeneration, AMD. As a 501c3 public charity, our goal is to provide patient education and access to low vision resources to help individuals, families, and caregivers whose lives are severely impacted by AMD. The Support Sight Foundation funds innovative research projects to discover effective new tools, technology, and treatments. The Support Site Foundation, supportsite.org, S-U-P-P-O-R-T-S-I-G-H-T.org, or call us at 888-681-8773 and connect with us on social media. Thank you. Thanks for being with us on My MACD Life, the podcast with a vision to bring hope, optimism, perspective, and education to our listeners. For more information and many great, incredible resources, visit mymacdlife.org. 
This program is supported by amazing listeners like you. Please consider a donation to keep our mission moving forward. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, keep living with hope. My neck.